everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. This is FAA Safety Briefing Live, and we're broadcasting the May and June edition of FAA Safety Briefing Magazine. We're happy to be with you. I'm Paul Pradecker, and I'm Susan Parson. Susan, how are you? Good. So it's nice to be back in Wisconsin with you. It's been a few months, but uh, we've made the transition, and compared to uh, Phoenix, the weather is different, of course. Yes, it is. I admit the temperature is lower, but until today, anyway, the humidity is higher. Pick your poison. Well, <laughs> some people like density altitude, you know, right? delivered by one way or another. But it's good to be back. It is and good to be back. We're, uh, we're happy to bring this broadcast to you. So this is the time this when you... This is about the magazine, yeah. The magazine, yeah. We're the safety policy voice for non-commercial general aviation. And the goals are, are listed right there with a special emphasis for us anyway on encouraging continued training. Um, as regular readers will know, we have um, specific purposes for each of the regular departments. And we try to stick to that. And we also try to distinguish this magazine from others because we have a focus uh, or theme for each issue, try to make sure that the features and as much of the other content as possible all match up to that. Because our goal is to give you kind of one-stop shopping for information from the FAA on a particular topic. And um, I like the term one of my colleagues uses, shelf stable. Mm -hmm. um, some of this information um, some information in aviation changes rapidly, but other things don't. So wherever possible, we like to offer um, a reference material that you can go back and use again. And over the months that we've been doing this, I'm, I'm always impressed with the graphic design. that uh, the We people, have some really good designers. The people behind the scenes do a good yeah, job on the do. covers and some of the internal articles as well. So you, you mentioned that you know, we try to have issues that are different from one another to bring some variety, which uh, you certainly do. But then within the issue, there's quite a bit of variety. This issue, of course, brings together um, two of our favorite topics yeah, as pilots, sure. I think, technology and weather. I, I'm not sure I, weather would be a pilot favorite subject, although it probably ought to be. It, it should be, yeah. Um, yeah. Because we all have to deal with it one way or the other. So we we covered a lot of different things in this one. Um, Lighthouse, making the most of your online flight service briefings. The digital atmosphere. There are some really fun tools that I always learn things when we're putting together the magazine. And I learned about some really um, fancy new tools that are available for aviation weather. Um, some about research on turbulence to try mm -hmm. to help you avoid it better. Uh, making your weather briefings easier and then maximizing benefits of ABSB. Most people have equipped by now, but the idea is to, there's still things that you need to know about getting the most out of it. Well, and there's another part of this too, Susan, that we want to make sure people understand is that when, when we're talking about, you know, technology and, and weather and trying to make the most of the technology to give us the best idea about weather, we're, fundamentally talking about managing risk and it's uh, essential to every flight that um, we we are risk managers um, we're talking about how to use tools to help us do that and even on a short flight weather could be a, a risk factor so let's always keep in mind that you know one of our goals as pilots and being pilot in command is to how do we manage and mitigate the risk absolutely so we start out typically with this column, jump seat column, and it features the um, executive director of flight standards. And since we've been doing this broadcast, Susan, there's been several, and yeah. this gentleman is new. Uh, this is David Bolter, who is, uh, his permanent position is now executive director of the Flight Standards Service. Um, he comes to us from a different part of the FAA, but um, actually started out as an aviation safety inspector in Arizona years ago and has flown all different kinds of things, passionate about aviation. And uh, the topic of technology and weather was, uh, as, as they put it here for the first um, safety briefing issue, very happy to tee up this topic and to stress that even the best technology doesn't help you. 
unless the crew thinks clearly and acts correctly. And uh, he's he's a big people person. It all comes back to people and a commitment to staying current. Well, and I, as I read through the article, it was clear that he, he looks at um, aviation safety as a team approach. Mm -hmm. And there's so many factors working behind the scenes and, you know, people responsible for safety. And um, the team approach is, is what it's all about because in, in aviation, that we, we, um, we all are teammates in one way or another. We should be. Yeah. Um, the first article is about um, Lidos. And I, I have to admit, it had been a little while since I had logged on, um, uh, some months. But when I um, logged on to my account, um, it, it's not the Lidos of a few years ago. They've made some wonderful changes. Oh, yeah. And the weather products available you know, to, to pilots to aid in their um, briefing platform has really increased. Um, the, the author of this article had a, had an interesting quote that he, uh, used from, uh, somebody who, who writes about internet and the effect of internet on, you know, the social demographics. Um, cause we often talk about information overload and certainly that can come when we're looking for weather information. There's so many sites, there's so many information. Uh, you know, we, we tend to trust what's on the internet, whether we should or not, it's, it's there. So we sometimes believe it. And the, uh, the gentleman that was quoted as saying, it's, it's not that we have an information overload problem, we have a failure to filter. Yeah, and that's a good phrase. I, I like yeah. that because that, that really is the key. Even when we're trying to study, sometimes we're, we're grasping for so many things to study and what we really need to do is to filter um, some of the information so that we're getting the best information. But the, the weather products that are available here are, um, they're outstanding much more graphical and much more focused on local information and some other new features as well. Well, you can customize the briefing, uh, obviously follow your flight plan like you always do with flight service, uh, kneeboard size navigation log. So it'll print uh, that for mm -hmm. you. Um, one of the things that really struck me about this is everything nowadays we hope, um, and, but, but certainly Lidos is made platform scalability, a big priority. I, they understand that people use smartphones and tablets in flying. And so it's really, really important to make sure that um, the services that are offered are scalable so that you can actually read them and use them on the portable technology. Um, I was also intrigued by the fact that if you have one of the uh, home hubs like Alexa or Google, you can use that to get METARs, TAFs, for aviation forecast discussions. So there's all sorts of um, I think we've talked in previous issues about easy activate and easy close, but um, it looks like those are now available. Yeah. yeah. You can do anything on your phone. And, you know, you can, I mean, this is it's fairly standard these days in flight planning software, but you can load in your flight plan and immediately you get a briefing associated with it. Um, the cool tool that, um, I did not know was available until I was reading a little bit more about this is the um, evaluate departure yeah where you can put in different times to evaluate is this a good departure time or not and then you have a better look at the weather that's forecast so mm -hmm. some really cool things well one thing I liked you know with the whole failure to filter that that you can filter flight data center no times for briefing yes because they may not be um, there, there are certain things that may not be applicable to you. And this is about just trying to provide the information that you need for this particular flight. Yeah. And um, the author, uh, your, your colleague, Tom Hoffman, talks about, um, you know, if you haven't used this before or used it in a while, just create an account, update your account. And if you happen to fly the same type of airplane or you own an airplane, of course, load that information in because it will use that then to generate uh, time and routes and optimum altitudes. Another thing to do is if you are a flight instructor, please encourage your students to do this as well. This is something Absolutely. we talked about before. <laughs> because although many, many people, um, most of us now do a lot of self-briefing and there's nothing wrong with that and we should students need to learn how to do that as well. But the none of us, or I shouldn't say none of us, few pilots are also meteorologists. And having a um, 
knowledge of lineups that gives you more information, different types of information, but you also have easy access to briefers if you need to ask a question or get some uh, local information. And of course, if you call 1-800-WEATHER-BRIEF, you can still talk to a live briefer. A real person. And I, I know that you flew in the day, and I certainly did too, when I would um, go to an airport that actually had a flight surface station I on did. the field and walk in and get an in-person briefing from a live briefer. So um, that setup has changed a little bit, but the services about getting a in-person briefing are still available. If you put all this together and you do your homework, you can do a self-briefing, you can back that up with getting a, a, a live briefing. And again, it's a matter of using the tools that are available to you and then sorting out the information to make the best decisions. And this one should be in your weather toolbox. Absolutely. Absolutely. So log into it if you haven't in a while and uh, you'll see some very cool things. A lot of the uh, graphical charts have been updated and mm -hmm. um, makes flight planning you know, quite a bit easier. Um, surfing the digital um, atmosphere. atmosphere. Yep. So... There's a lot of digital information out there. Um, as we've talked about before, having the information is one thing, turning it into something that is understandable, of course, is another thing. Um, I was struck by um, the lead uh, sidebar there, about 80, 88% of weather-related accidents are from general aviation mm -hmm. operations, and mostly they're fatal. So that's something that we should pay attention to. And what's the WIDIC program? So this is the weather, the FIA's weather technology in the cockpit mm -hmm. program. And this is another one of those uh, filtering, addressing the challenge of filtering. It's, it's also about helping pilots to interpret weather information more accurately to understand what it can and can't do. That is its limitations so that you can avoid bad weather. Um, we have written about and talked about WIDIC in previous issues mm -hmm. about weather, but this was a check-in to see what was available. And here's where I found some really fun stuff. Augmented reality on your smartphone or tablet. There's an aviation weather app called Weather Explore. Uh, virtual reality, there's some tools for that. You can fly to an airport and practice. Um, now, we, I know we, we talked about uh, previously Weather Information Latency Demonstrator, or WILE, which yes. is a great acronym, mm -hmm. um, which allows you to navigate bad weather in a simulator for free. And that um, I, I was really excited to see that their plans, hopefully they'll come through, to have that available at AirVenture this year. So if you, can, uh, if you want to take a flight in the wild, maybe you can. <laughs> Well, we, we have talked about this a number of times, especially about how to use weather radar. And the presenters have always talked about the fact that you, you have to respect the latency or another way of saying, how old is the data? Oh, yeah. And, and not only for radar information, but make sure that you understand how old your METAR and TAF information mm -hmm. coming from ADSBN is as well, because... Um, the, the chance that it's going to be real time is not that good. Uh, if it's five minutes old, that might be one thing. But if it's 40 minutes old, then that's something else you have to pay attention to. Um, the real time the, piece reminds me at this bottom thing, the, mm -hmm. the PIREBS, because there is nothing more fresh than a report from a pilot who's been there. And we have the, the FAA and everybody, we've always beaten mm -hmm. our chests about how you need to... Um, you, you need to give pyreps. Please give more pyreps. Make pyreps. Controllers are supposed to solicit them. So I was really intrigued by this speech to pyrep of uh, it's research using voice-enabled technology. So you can just say your pyrep yeah. directly into your phone, and it will get displaying distributed nationwide. So well, and there's that's another website. Great there's way another, to contribute. Another website that was uh, cited was flyverga.com to yeah. be able to enter pyreps on your on your smartphone or maybe you even take pictures um my my sort of mentor flight instructor especially for instrument flying um he made it a point to teach all of us which now i try to teach everybody as well that 
um, whenever you're on a flight, just make a pilot report. Get used to how to do it, get used to what to say. And even if it's clear in a million, that can still be a pilot report. But certainly things that are not forecast, uh, anything that's not anticipated, um, pass along as a pirate. It doesn't take very much time. You're helping your colleagues out in the system. Um, it's crowdsourced weather is the way you put it before. <laughs> that's, that's right. It's good. And on the, on the sidebar of the PowerPoint, there's um, videos that mm -hmm. kind of talk about how to learn about some of these concepts. Uh, one's on graphical forecasting. Uh, the other one's on latency, which we've mm -hmm. already talked about. Uh, the other one's about determining visibility. That's always, you know, it's it's been something we try to teach our students about how to determine, well, how far away is that? Mm -hmm. um, and when you're looking into an empty sky, that's not so easy, but there are tips and techniques for how you can look at features on the ground and then move your eyes up to try to determine in-flight visibility. Um, and then the other one, of course, is how to manage uh, next red. Next red. So, so many cool tools um, that are available. And again, we just have to sort out the, um, you know, first use the information and then sort it out to help us make the best decision. But I really like the subhead of this and what's cool, fun, and free for yeah, right. pilots to use. <laughs> what, right. what more can you want? Cool, fun, and free. We're all, we're all about free. Yeah, you know, I know. I know. That's all I'm going um, your buddy Tom Hoffman again. He put together a nice article: five steps to improve your weather know-how. Yeah, it starts with personal minimums, mm -hmm. and we've done pieces before on how you do it. I think of personal minimums as the reserve. It's kind of like a fuel reserve. You want to have a buffer between your skills. Uh, it's just think about your skills and the aircraft capability together, and then what you want to do. And the gap, you want to make sure that there's a buffer between those things so you don't go to the edge of aircraft performance or, or human performance. Um, and one of the things yours. that we've talked about too in personal minimums is there, at the moment, your personal minimums should be the minimums. But it doesn't mean your personal minimums won't change over time. Yeah. They might change with recency of experience. It might change based on the aircraft you're flying with the equipment that's in the aircraft. Um, so adapting your personal minimums you just, to the moment is a good idea. Well, uh, you adapt. You can adapt your personal minimums over time, but you should never scrap them in order to fly a particular trip. Absolutely. Um, so, and the plan B is... You know, part of personal minimums should be probably having always having a plan B and maybe C and D as well. Um, check the expiration. Yeah, uh, weather data has a shelf life, and uh, mm -hmm. some is more perishable than others. But you always want to make sure that you are using the most current data. Note the observation time, and um, I, I like the the suggestion too to compare with more. Compare it with uh, previous or previous information so that you know yeah, what it's, the trend it's, is. It's kind of getting a reality check yeah. too. If if the if the forecast is for a certain set of conditions, but the real time METAR is vastly different. I mean the the theory then is that maybe the forecast is no good. Yeah, and that also would may cause you to have a plan B because now you're dealing with something that's unknown. Yeah, now the basics, this is something that I've um, taught about for a long time. Tem temperature, wind, and humidity combine to impact flight in one of three ways, visibility, turbulence, aircraft performance. Know what those things are um, so that in knowing how th those basics can affect your flight will make a big difference. Um, latency, we've talked about latency a lot on the next red weather display. Mm -hmm. Do not use it tactically use weather display strategically and stay far far away because by the time you see it on the screen it's somewhere else um and then i love the expand your horizons um keep learning because no matter how much you know about weather you can't you, there's always something else to figure to pick up well that's i mean that's true about most of aviation but yeah. certainly weather because it's always changing and you know we we, we strive to have um precision in how we look at weather, but um, sometimes we have to live in the gray areas. So Absolutely. Speak, so to speak. So to speak. The, I like that. Yeah. The, the other thing I've done before on flights, it, it's sort of a, you know, build on the basics things and check the expiration is you, you might be planning your flight from 
A to B and maybe there's some quite a bit of distance between and you're you're doing your best to get information. Um, but you're you you you're a little bit curious about some of the in route conditions. You you might be able to look ahead and you 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 know you're looking 80 or 100 miles away and you're you're seeing some buildups. Sometimes what I've done is to um, see if I'm if out in the distance is um, another airport. Ah. And I've actually like tuned in the A ATIS or the A WAS or A SOS for that mm-hmm. airport to try to see what's actually going on. And from time to time, I've actually called the tower and said, um, you know, I'm 50 miles away. I'm en route to such and such airport. Um, but I'm just curious what your most current weather report is. And that way you can also um, maybe have a analyze that for an alternate airport in case you need to divert. Or it just gives you an idea about what the conditions are as you go forward. So sometimes I have, I've done that and uh, the power controllers are helpful. I mean, they'll tell you what's going on at the field. And it's just another data point along the way. And you can't have too many data points. Um, Making your weather briefing easy. Yeah, easy as one, two, three. And... Well, some of this is like what we talked about with personal um, minimums. Mm-hmm. Define the acceptable limits of your skills and equipment. So this is knowing um, what resources you have, uh, how recent are your skills, what can your airplane do? Um, one of the phrases I like to use, you reminded me of it before we got started here, was you may be super pilot, but if you're flying a super cub, you've got some limitations and you have to deal <laughs> with right. those. And the other um, part in, in step number one, the, the last sentence is use a checklist to oh, ensure yeah. you gather all information. Well, you know, that's an interesting concept. I mean, we talk about using checklists to manage our airplane and manage our pre-flight, and we have checklists for every phases of flight. Uh, but the recommendation is um, use a checklist for how to get a weather briefing and how to organize your weather information. And if you need help, um, advisory circular 9192 appendix as in Bravo, it actually has a, a template for a checklist where you can use that to make sure you're thinking about all the possibilities when you get away. Everything that you need. Yeah. So in, in a way, you know, using a, a checklist sort of format for a weather briefing is just another um, another SOP that you can put into your toolkit. Standard along. operating yeah. procedures. Yeah, it's a great idea. So then there's the gathering information. Um, Identify the hazards, um, compare information, and if you decide, well, don't decide to accept a risk unless you have a mitigation plan that will work. And this is where ego and external pressures can get you. Don't let them do that. Um, And I I like this calling flight service is a way to check your self-briefing work, especially if you are new to flying or new mm-hmm. to the area you're going to. So good ideas. Um, step three is to decide if the conditions that you've identified are acceptable. Um, and this is really important. You have a choice at every point during the flight. So it's go, no go is not a one, I do this before I depart and then I'm, I'm set. You have to Certainly. constantly make the go no go decision. Well, I, I turn it into something else. If once you've made the go no go decision, now you're making start or now you're making continue decisions yeah, all exactly. along the way. So sometimes I actually prefer start continue to go no go. But on the other hand, if a thunderstorm's directly overhead, we know we're not going to. We're go. not going to go. But the idea of constant evaluation is what this is all about. So earlier we talked about using a checklist to gather information. Um, another idea is to use a weather log so you can keep track of what's going on. And if you uh, if you got a thorough briefing before you left, um, you can see if the weather is still trending in a mm-hmm. in the right in the direction that will be favorable to you. And then finally, um, this is a wash, rinse, repeat. You know, keep going through um, steps two and three again and again and again. And I, I like the idea to the suggestion to practice which you can do without even going to the airport. Um, just mm-hmm. set up, it's kind of like a, a weather version of chair flying. Set up something that you might want to do or you might be planning to do and then practice 
practice looking at the weather, practice applying it to, if I were doing this trip, this is what I would do. And it goes without saying, but I, I mean, we've all kind of fallen into the lull of um, GPS direct. So children we, of the magenta line. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so right. we, we load in, we pull up our flight plan program and we go direct and everything is simple that way. But when we're talking about weather, um, direct may not be the best option. So if we think about the times that we deviate in flight um, for weather, we can also build our flight plan with built-in deviations just to take that risk out of the picture. So lots of, lots of tools. Um, I believe this, yeah, this is your article on the scoop on yeah. briefing. So maybe you can tell yeah, us about we it. talked about, there, there's a fair amount of material in this issue about self-briefings and the various tools that you have to do that. So we all love that, but I've, I've had the question many times that is this legal? Is it okay? Am I going to, am I getting an approved weather briefing? So this is where you just go right back to the aeronautical information manual. And it's very clear that if you are flying under Part 91, which most of us would be doing for general aviation, you don't have to use any particular weather source. There is no required or approved weather sources. And you can use whatever you find appropriate as a substitute. However, um, and there's always a however, if you go to flight service, you get, um, you get several benefits. You get an, something that's known and standardized because it's there is a particular way that it's supposed to be provided. Um, the second part is that even if you don't use them for every briefing, if you come to a point where you need, you have a question, you have access to certified pilot weather briefers who can help you and respond to specific questions. And through the LIDOS, they now have the ability to, to talk about local conditions, no matter where they are, um, no matter where the, the briefer is geographically situated. And there is a record that you got a specific type of weather briefing. Um, one thing about the weather briefers, I, I have called them many times from many places over the years. And never once have I been treated with anything other than courtesy, yeah, enthusiasm, um, absolute helpfulness. I mean, you, you, you really get great service from the people who are on the other end of the microphone or telephone. Yeah, and the, the important point that's in the beginning of this is if you're not uh, certified under Part 119, for example, mm -hmm. air carriers are certified under Part 119. And in my um, airline experience, we only had approved weather reporting mm -hmm. services that we contracted with, and we may have had two of them. One would be a backup to the other. And unless we were reading our weather from that source, it was not considered approved for us, even though it might be approved for somebody else. But it's, it's very rigidly applied that um, in, in that world, you know, having to look at the weather channel, uh, that's not going to satisfy. That's not going right. to satisfy. That, that's not an approved weather service. Now, we've all looked at it the night before just to get an idea about what we might deal with tomorrow. But in, in the air carrier world, we could only use approved weather services, and that was it. So Well, what's nice about this is that you can use all kinds of sources because you can't, you, you are not limited to what's required or approved. But the point is, uh, there, it's, it's like any, um, any right, you have responsibilities that come with it. Mm -hmm. And the responsibility is to use it well and wisely and make sure you get all the information that you really need to get for a safe flight. Yeah. Um, let's see. I should be able to do this. Here we are. Um, we get the point. First of all, I like the picture that you used. <laughs> yeah, <I'm fine>. yeah. <laughs> but thinking still required. What do you get at? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, technology is great, except when it isn't. Um, also, technology is great, but we should use it to help us and not as a crutch. Um, we have to use it in the context of critical thinking and what we realistically can and can't do safely in not just a GA airplane, although that's what it says, but the specific airplane that we're flying. Um, one of the things that I've always found helpful in doing my own flight planning and, and conduct of the flight 
is to think of the airplane, whichever you happen to be in, it's your partner. You mm -hmm. cannot compensate for what the airplane can't do. And the airplane cannot compensate for what you can't do. Um, so you have to know each other pretty well, or at least the pilot needs to know the airplane. So the weather analysis for every flight should use, um, consider the collective capabilities of the team, the pilot airplane team. Um, and then don't ever, this is the real point that I wanted to make here, don't delegate decisions to the box. You know, you got to ask yourself questions. And the questions that I always ask myself when looking at weather for a flight is, is there anything convective? Because if thunderstorms are out there, I've got to either figure out how to avoid them or I don't go. Because there is no airplane that is certified to fly in or through thunderstorms. What's the freezing level? Uh, ice can get all kinds of airplanes, and particularly the sort that mm -hmm. we tend to fly in general aviation. They may or may, they're, they're, they're unlikely to be really protected for ice. And we're often at the altitudes where we are where dealing you're gonna with get it. it. Yeah. Sure. And then how low is too low? Yeah, you get your instrument rating. You can go to 200 and a half, um, or whatever minimums are. But smart and legal are not the same thing. So here's where you use your personal minimums to figure out what your actual too low enough is. And then the really another big one is, do I have options? And this is not just the legal alternate that we all know what those are supposed to be. But you need something that is a real option that this is where I could go, would go, if, you know, if I can't get in. And so if you have widespread uh, instrument conditions and not even marginal via foreign range, this is not something I want to go play with. Well, and I want to talk a little bit too about the how low is too low. Um, all of us who are had experience as instrument students, instrument pilots, instrument current, we all know that there's a difference between flying under the hood yeah. versus flying in actual. You might fly a perfect approach with the hood on down to 500 feet, but being in the clouds to 500 feet is actually a different story. It's psychologically different. Mm -hmm. And I always try to make some allowance and make sure students make some allowance for, all right, we're in a bright, clear, beautiful day here with the hood on. Can I actually transfer these skills into a real IMC. And you need, to, everybody's well, different, but you need to evaluate that. Well, when you take the hood off and everything's bright and clear, it's different from coming out of, a, of an, an overcast and there might be wisps here and there and you can do, you just, you're really trying to get oriented. So it's tough. It is. But, but, but these are, these are good tips, um, especially about the freezing level because it's, it's hard to know what that is. You need to get a briefing to sort that out. You know, look at the winds aloft and the, you know, the icing, you know, forecast for that. I just always remember ice belongs in drinks. <laughs> Very good. And, but I, maybe icing more than anything is something you have That's to have options scary. for. Well, I you just know, think go I, up, go down. Land, ice is something. a recipe for returning to Mother Earth really fast because yep. it uh, adds to your weight and subtracts from your lift. and. Uh, well, it actually adds to your weight and drag and subtracts from your lift at the same time. So yeah. bad. Hey, this is a, a, a fun oh, one. It's, it's, our, it's yeah. our vertically speaking. And in, in previous um, issues of this, we talked about the FAA weather camera system being used a lot at fixed wing airports, mm -hmm. um, especially in Alaska where, you know, the weather can change a lot. Um, also in Colorado and some of the mountain airports. But here's a more interesting application of, of the FAA weather camera system. Yeah, the FAA started loaning some weather cameras to helicopter air ambulance operators. And right now they've picked some spots that are, I guess, experimental. We're collecting data to figure out uh, what is useful, practical. Um, so, Better informed flight operations for medevac of whatever, however the medevac is done, would be really great. And, um, and of course, these are at locations where there is no weather reporting. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. eight miles from here is, you know, the University of Wisconsin Hospital, and I know they have two or three Airbus helicopters there. 
There is no weather reporting there. Um, so, I mean, that's like most cases where these operators are, are in and out of situations. And if their nearest weather reporting is six miles or seven miles away, you, you may not be getting an accurate indication. So it's a, it's a, it's a great idea. And it's just another application of the technology. Yeah, I, I think the, the weather cams, if you go look at them online, they're pretty, they're pretty slick. They show you what, um, they show all kinds of things that would be nice to know before you go. And I like that. Um, I don't think there's that many of us out there that like turbulence. Um, oh, I don't know. Sometimes it's kind of fun. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I, in the air carrier world, we did everything we could to avoid it. Oh, yeah, I don't want you to spill my coffee. Indeed. Um, and, and in fact, in, in some, you know, famous aviation quotes or something I've got in a book somewhere, maybe in a bookcase behind me, um, there's, the, there's a saying that, um, somebody went up to a captain and said, what causes turbulence? And he said, well, we think it's coffee or tea because every time we pour a cup up in the flight deck, it gets bumpy. So, well, um, but we do everything we can to avoid it. And if you just listen to air, air traffic control, especially on the center frequencies, everything is about how's the, the ride. How's the ride report? Yeah. What's yeah. the ride? Well, this is one of the other things. Weather technology in the cockpit program is funding all kinds of research uh, on turbulence information with the idea uh, to increase the accuracy of reporting where it is and forecasting where it might be and keeping people away from it. So there's a ton of detail in this article. Um, this was a little challenging to summarize on one slide, but there is... Um, in the next couple of years, um, they're planning to add convectively induced turbulence, machine learning techniques, um, forecasts that are updated more often. And um, there, there are a lot of acronyms in this article, but there's one in particular I kind of liked um, right in that last bullet there. Remote Oceanic Meteorological Information Operational Project, otherwise known as Romeo. Romeo. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of Romeos in aviation. Um, but it, it's uh, the serious part is it, it provides real-time contours of thunderstorm areas. Um, so this is, this is really neat stuff and cutting-edge research to make, to, to make sure that you can drink your coffee. Exactly. And... Um, they, a program was started in conjunction with this to uh, get participating airlines to oh, yeah. send data from the flight, real time, um, transmitting weather data that would ultimately be used to predict uh, turbulence. Right. The, the airline I flew for was one of the first to uh, take part of that, and um, you know we were recognized as you know participating in this program to help supply weather information. To, uh, in a real-time fashion. Well, yeah, there we go. Um, th and this is another cool one too. I like this. Um, we've talked a lot about different applications of drones. I didn't know they were getting into and fog. But now we're talking yeah. about forecasting with them. So here's another fun acronym. I don't know if there are people who get paid to sit around and think these things up, but they're fun. Fog map. Um, you can see what it means. I won't try to read the whole thing out, but but this oh, is using. I, I want. I want, I want to. Okay. Frequent in C2 observations above ground for modeling and advanced prediction. Of fog. fog map fog is map. much better. Yeah. Um, but it's to assess, uh, it, it's used to use, see if drone operations can be used to predict um, fog over ma a major U.S. airports. So they're doing localized airport impacting fog and evaluating all kinds of things. Um at the time, this was uh, it says a fog map study will continue through May, which is just finished up. So hopefully, uh, some of that we'll see some information, more information will start coming out. And there's a system set up that they're using. Um, Cincinnati is one of the airports that they're they're deploying this and looking at the technology. Um, we always um, feature um, FAA. Employees. face and employee and yep. look at their contributions and um francis prott uh, goes by frankie yep. um studied meteorology has done some time at embry riddle uh, he's got a lot of experience and has really turned into doing some good work for the faa 
Yeah, we interviewed her for several of the articles in this thing and in in this particular issue, and she's uh, she's she's really big on using the checklist to make sure that you get all the information that you need. Um, she's worked, as it says here, outside the FAA, um, the Next Gen Aviation Weather Division. Um, she's worked on international stuff, and now she's working on aviation weather for drones. Um, so I, it's, it's just a really neat set of, or she's, she's using her talents in a wide variety of ways um, connected with weather and weather technology and weather research. One of the things I noticed about the individuals featured on FAA Faces is they have such broad experiences mm -hmm. that they then pull together to make you know, contributions you know, through the FAA to aviation safety. And we always try to get pictures of them flying if they um, if they actually are pilots. So it's yeah. pretty fun. This is all about ADSB, and ADSB has um, been out for quite quite some time. And unless you're exempt from it um, by now, I'm sure most people are familiar with it. However, um, there are still some things to to know and remember about making sure that, you know you understand the startup procedures and especially uh, how to recognize failures. Well, yeah, because now um, it's not just a nice to have it; it's a you got to have it. And one of the tips is to know the performance requirements. It's a reminder that you can get the uh, here's another fun acronym: paper, paper. public mm -hmm. ADSB performance report that's free. You can get it as often as you like. Um, Call sign, if you happen to fly for some organization that uses different call signs, you need to understand how to make sure that you don't have call sign mismatch issues with your ADSB. And then, as always with any equipment, know what the benefits are and the limitations. You need to know all the good stuff it can do, but you need to know what it can't do. And as we talked about so much, I mean, that's true not only of ADSB, but also of your GPS, your glass cockpit, all the fancy avionics, even your iPad, yeah. um, well, it, it pays I, to know how to use it. I, I worked with a pilot one time who had just installed new equipment in the airplane, in an older airplane, and um, he's like, Susan, I it's, it's supposed to do this, and I, I can't make it do this, so I said, okay, let's go see. So we tried it on several times, and it turns out that the new equipment didn't want to play nice with the old equipment, and there were just some limitations on what it was going to be able to do. And I said, well, good thing that you know this now before you head into the clouds. Mm -hmm. And always with equipment, don't think about what it, it, what you want it to do or what it's supposed, quote unquote, supposed to do. What can it do reliably and consistently and work with that? I, I remember I did a flight review for a friend um, a few years ago, and um, he had just gotten a, a new flat panel um, GPS. He had a iPad with a, another flight planning program on it, and he had a handheld GPS sitting over here. And he wanted to try to make sense of all this digital information. And when it was time to start the flight review, he said, "Well, where do you want to go?" And I, I picked an airport that was about 80 miles away. And I said, "Okay, show me how to do it." So he reached down between the seats and pulled up his VFR sectional and <laughs> looked at it. And he said, "Well, I think we should take off on a heading about 35 degrees." Okay. Zero thirty-five. There you go. There we go. Um, well, that might have been the best way to do it. it well, they just look out the window more. Yeah. Sure. There you go. Um, aircraft corrosion. So this is a nuts, bolts, and electrons, and uh, this is a big deal, of course. And it can be a big deal based on where your airplane is kept, how it's hangered, how it's treated. Um, and this article talks a lot about um, how to look for it. Well, and I, I learned some things from this one for sure. You know, darkening of the metal, uh, stage two, the visible aluminum oxide in the form of gray powder. Mm -hmm. And then the third, when that um, severe pitting cracks and holes. Um, I thought it was really fun. He also has the, we deal with it on the levels of prevention, which is the best way, removal and treatment. Um, but you've got to do whatever you can to prevent corrosion and to, as it says in the last bullet there, keep your eyes open and 
Yeah, I mean, I made a note to myself that, you know, looking for corrosion is not just something at the annual inspection. I mean, when we're doing our pre-flights, we have the opportunities to to look at a lot of the material of the airplane. And your post-flight. And yeah. one, of the, one of the points here, even if you don't live by the ocean, if somehow your airplane is exposed to salt air during a visit or a flight, um, you should sure. especially look at it during the post-flight inspection because in, you just go ahead and clean it up. It's a good opportunity to keep your airplane shiny. Yeah. So we moved from airplanes to bodies. And yes. talking about pulling Jesus. Is... So this is super appropriate for right at a time when yeah. Top Gun Top Maverick, Gun. which I'm very anxious to see. Top Gun Maverick is um, is freshly out in the theaters. So um, as you've probably read, the actors in the film were required to get some basic flying lessons, and they actually went off and flew in. They they were pulling, no kidding, geez, they weren't yeah. just pretending. So, so this is a really good explanation of what G-force is. I like the think of your heart as a pump. And here's what happens as G-forces increase. Um, and then there's the explanation of G-lock. Well, yeah, before we get to the G-lock problem, yeah. which, of course, is huge, uh, just the, just the um, information yep. that she used about you, you've got a distance from your, your heart to your brain, which is just another pipe. And when you're exerting G-forces is going to make moving that harder yep. up to your brain. And that's why we have the vision issues and the possible G-lock or G-lock, G-lock. I was heard it as G-lock, but I don't, yeah. I don't G-induced loss of consciousness. So I, I, I know you've done some aerobatics and I upset have. training, and I've done some as well years ago. Um, a little bit goes a long way for me. I mean, it's, well, it, it's it, physically exhausting. It is physically exhausting. I did, um, well, years ago, I, I was doing formation training, and my formation partner really, 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 really wanted to do an extra day and do the air combat stuff, which was not my thing. But, hey, he was a friend, and I did it, and it was only a little bit more money. Actually, a lot more money. A lot more money. Sure, but, yeah. but, okay, I did it. And boy, we were pulling G's and I was exhausted when I came out. I yeah. also had a sinus infection at the time, which was not fun. But it, but it points out G tolerance is not static. It can vary over time. If you, you did, it's, it's maybe less instrument currency. The fact that you can yeah. do an approach to minimums two years ago doesn't mean that you can do it today. Um, so this is some tips on hydration, exercise. Well, and just general well-being and exercise. I we we watched a YouTube video not too long ago about the making of the original Top Gun, yeah. and, and the, the the people there referred to it as um, it, it's athletics for pilots to, oh, to yeah. be doing this. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good article, and you know a few more terms and a few more acronyms like G Lock. So before we leave this whole Top Gun thing, I got to tell you, I read about this and I went and looked it up. If you want your own call sign, apparently there is a little tool online that you can <laughs> go in and answer a few questions about yourself and the thing will spit out some choices. I think it's three. Oh, wow. That, so three possible call signs based on the way that you answer the questions. So, hey, you can get your own call sign. Let me know what yours is and I'll... Well, yeah. the one I liked was Sapphire. Oh, okay. <laughs> I get it. Um, condition inspection. Uh, again, this is allergies. another another thing. This it's is very the time seasonal. Seasonal. This is the time for allergies and lots of cautions about uh, being careful if you're taking um, allergy prevention medication, diphenhydramine, Benadryl. Many of these things are in over-the-counter medications, and they're not. Um, allowed for flying yeah and if you have taken it there's um the the advice generally is to wait five times the uh pharmacologic half-life or 60 hours is an easier yeah. thing to remember but uh this this is information we talked before about the ame guide which has tons of information and it's available online you don't have to be an ame to look at it and to use it um but uh, there's, there's a lot of information in this article about um, the things that allergies can do to you. 
and the things that allergy medication can do you. So you just need to be very careful. Well, and the other part of this is if you um, look at some of the over-the-counter sleep medication. Um, Operating it, heavy machinery thing? Well, yeah. it, it, it contains the same yeah. ingredient, diphenhydramine is often an ingredient. So if you have something that's intentionally there to make you sleep and it's embedded in your in a histamine medication, Maybe you there you go. Be careful. Well, generally, I I think um, the advice is if you if you feel bad enough that you have to take some kind of medication, uh, you might not feel good enough to be flying. Well, and you you said you had an experience with a sinus infection, and we pro we probably all flown on occasion where we had some sort it was of a really bad thing. sinus problem, and altitude won't help it, and you know aerobatics didn't help. help yeah, so it just pays to. Be careful. Um, aviation News Roundup. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff in here. More more weather reporting in Alaska. Um, announcing and, the GA award yeah, winner. Amy Hoover, who's um, awarded CFI of the year. Uh, Michael Everhart, who's the AMT of the year. And Laura Herman, who's the FAA Fast Team uh, Rep of the year. So congratulations to them, and I understand they're going to be featured in the next they issue. Were, yeah, and we're, we're wrapping up the July-August issue right now, and they will all be profiled in that issue, so keep a lookout. Um, there's a lot of, uh, th this was a pretty hefty ATIS this time. Yeah, um, there's been some recent changes in interpretation and rules for mm -hmm. instrument rating cross-country approach requirements, so um, that's something that's been you know, it's a topic that's been in discussion about what are the actual requirements for approaches. And after some amount of time and interpretations that, you know, were legal interpretations, this has been um, sort of rationalized a little bit and clarified. So that's a big help. So if you do a lot of instrument instructing or you're an instrument pilot to ask some questions, um, have a look at this because it'll help you manage your um, approach currency. Um, the other one is about um, sleep apnea, mm -hmm. so, and um, there's an entire series of AME AME minute, minute videos. videos. The current one is on obstructive sleep apnea, and then uh, the eliminating lead emissions. That's about the Eagle project. It's um, been in the news a lot lately, and then a midair collision report um, provides insight on risk areas, and we all could benefit from looking at that. Of course. Um, well, Susan, it's been fun again. Always. I'm Paul Predecker. And I'm Susan Parson. We'll see you next time. We'll look forward to the uh, next broadcast. Take care.